All right. What do you say we do what we always do? I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give me some love. Fire love to be here. Hey, can you keep those clappers going one more time? Let's welcome everybody online right now, too. Fired up. Hey, thanks so much for being here. We are actually in the third week of a series that we're calling Shatterproof, and we've just been having an absolute hey, blast. Hey, I'm glad to be here. How about you? What are you doing, man? I, sorry, man. I just thought I would take this opportunity to join you out here. Um, uh, your time has actually happened, dude. Now it's on. No, 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 no. To the, to, seriously, real quick. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are brothers, and <laughs> and he should not be interrupting me. That's okay. One thing that you can do as brothers is you get to interrupt. That's like one of the rules. It's like how it works. <laughs> it's not, really, it's not Anyways, how. It, actually, besides, I think they're taking to it really well. Like I copy your line. Like I'm glad to be here. How about you? Oh hey, come on, do not, hey, do not humor him. Good. He'll be out here all day. What? Um, Seriously. Um, I have just, I just want to tell you that I love you. Um, oh, and man. You're my best friend. And I just have loved this series. Time out, time I out. I love this series that we're in. <laughs> and I just got to tell you that I think that there's probably no better time. Stop to, it. You want something. Yes. I know you, yes, you just. But I need to just do this publicly that I just think you're a great, like the greatest preacher. Oh, come on. Thank you. Thank you. Do not humor him. I think that. Uh, this is how he was when he was little, too. He's a flatter mom oh, and dad. He wanted. God. Just get to it. What do you want? Well, I think that I'd like to discuss my raise. <laughs> right now. Of course you do. Last week of a giving Why do series. You laugh? <laughs> um, somebody has a bulletin, I'm sure, or a program. What's the name of the, today's sermon? Make, Make me rich. <laughs> Put your money where your mouth is, man. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. All, right. all right, real quick. Just I shouldn't even ask this because I shouldn't give you any, you know, anything. But <laughs> <laughs> what would you even do if I gave you a raise? What would I'm you do so with that? I'm so glad that you asked. <laughs> oh, great. What? Let me just tell you. Oh, you're going to tell me through song. Absolutely. This is what worship guys do. That's how we do uh, it. Hey. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. I'd buy you a house. No, I would buy you a house. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Buy you furniture for your house. Maybe a nice Chesterfield or an Ottoman. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. I'd buy you a zip car. A nice reliant automobile. If I had a million dollars. Oh, I like dollars, this part though. I'd buy you love. Get into this now if you know the song. Here we go. If I had a million dollars, I'd build a tree fort in our yard. Cause if I had a million dollars, you could help, it wouldn't be that hard. If I had a million dollars, Put a little tiny fridge in there or something. Ooh, a tiny little fridge with, like, pre-wrapped sausages. Yeah. You know what's funny is they have pre-wrapped sausages, but they don't really have, like, pre-wrapped bacon. But that's okay. I'm telling you, I'm starting to like the idea of your race if you have verse 2. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Give it if to I it. If I had a million dollars. Well, if I had a million dollars. I'd buy you a fur coat. Not a real fur coat, that's cruel. If I had a million dollars. Cause if I had a million dollars. I'd buy you an exotic pet. Ooh, like a llama or an emu. I love that. Yeah. 
keep going. <laughs> if I had a million dollars. Cause if I had a million dollars. By John Barrick's remains. All them crazy elephant bones. If I, I like this had part. a million dollars. Give me some love. I'd buy your love. All right, here we go. Cause if, if I had a million dollars. To walk to the store Cause if, if I, I had a million dollars We'd take a limousine cause it costs more If, if I had a million dollars We wouldn't have to eat craft dinners But we would eat craft dinner Well of course we would, we'd just eat more Like mounds and mounds But do you more. think if we had a million dollars We could buy like expensive ketchup? Uh, what about like expensive mustard? Ooh, like Dijon mustard. That just sounds fancy. I've given you a million dollars. I'm telling you, if you can sing the third verse. If I oh. had a million dollars. Cause if I had a million dollars. I'd buy you a green dress. Not a real green dress, that's cruel. If I had a million dollars. Cause if I had a million dollars. I'd buy you some art. Ooh, like a Picasso or a Garfunkel. If I, I had a million dollars. Cause if I had a million dollars. I'd buy you a monkey. Haven't you always wanted a monkey? If I had a million I like dollars. This. I'd buy you love. Come on. If I had a million dollars, cause if I had a million dollars, 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 I wonder what you'd be. I'd be rich. Oh, get him off the stage. He did a great job. You are the man. So is that a yes? Yeah, that's a yes. yes. That's a yes. Somebody put that in the joy boxes when you leave and we'll hook Ryan up, all right? Hey, we thought we'd have a lot of fun uh, doing the last week of this thing because we're talking about money, and that just kind of like sucks all the fun out of the room when anybody talks about money. And the truth is, Ryan was right, the, the message today is titled, Make Me Rich. Make Me Rich. I mean, wouldn't that be great if we all got million dollars today and we just felt like we were rich? And I was like, man, that would be, that'd be so great. And in all the last two weeks, we've been kind of hitting on this idea of shatterproof. We've got to shatterproof our finances. And week one, we kind of launched the series going, hey, if we're going to do this, if we're going to shatterproof this valuable area in our life, then we better do a couple things right. And one move in particularly, we said we've got to make sure this move gets handled right. The move is this, putting God first in your finances. That's a, it's a move that we have to do. If we're going to shatterproof our finances, why? 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 I mean, why do we got to, you know, put God first? It's because, friends, quite honestly, God's the only one who's worthy to be trusted with that significant area of our life. He's the only one. Trusting him, putting him in first place. I mean, this area is too delicate for each and every one of us that if we were to make poor choices or if we were to make a bad financial move, the wake and the destruction and the stress and the pain of mishandled finances is just, it's too severe. And so we put God first because we trust him. And he's the one that we can trust with our finances. This move, you could sum it up with the one word. It's not a very fun word. I often say it's not very like, it just feels weird. It's the, it's the word tithe. I mean, nobody even likes saying it, tithe. And the truth is, tithe is putting God first with your money. It's saying, hey God, I'm going to trust you with the first 10%. I'm going to return to you, God, 
the first 10% of my income. Some people have asked me, well, Tony, is it the gross or the net? I mean, is it, which one is it, gross or net? And I just go, you choose. It does not really matter. You choose. You put God first. And just watch and see what he does. Another way to sum it up is uh, you give God your first and your best, and he will bless the rest. And we use that as a springboard into week two. We said week two, I, I wonder how many of us kind of said, you know what, I'm a little gun shy to try tithing. I'm a little gun shy to, to try, you know, giving to God because I'm not really sure if I'm going to have enough left over to, to live all the bills and the month that I have to, you know, manage my way through. And here's the good news. That God gives us values to embrace, to help us know how to navigate the rest. We trust God with the first 10, and he gives us values to use and to embrace to navigate the other 90. The three values that we talked about were these, the value of self-control. We said we got to embrace this value of self-control. There are some things that I want all the time. If you were to hang out with me, you'd know I'm a shoe guy. Man, I love Nikes. I love buying new shoes. But there's a value of self-control that sometimes comes in, kicks in, thank goodness, every time I'm walking by finish line, that says maybe you don't need another new pair of shoes because it's not in your budget right now. And so we just embrace the value of self-control. Another value is of sacrifice. We said there's a, there's a value of sacrifice. Carrie and I, when we graduated college, we had a ton of student loan debt. And the truth is we drove two cars that nobody would really want to drive today. I mean, beat up Oldsmobile, Cutlass Supreme was Carrie's, and mine was this little junior high girl, you know, Pontiac Grand Am. It was just pitiful, you know, what I was driving. And while all of our friends and our peers were acquiring new and getting stuff, you know, flat screen TVs, we said, you know what, we're going to embrace the value of sacrifice now so that one day we can have what we want. So we just said, you know what, for now we're going to sacrifice. We're going to drive the cars, we're going to still watch the old boob tube, and we're going to just do life with the value of self-control and sacrifice. And then there was a third value that we just kind of made sure that we all had, and again, it wasn't very pretty, but it's the value of planning. And we actually handed these out as you left last week, these budget forms. Now, I didn't get one thank you, and I was not surprised. Nobody was like, thanks so much for the budget, Tone. Nobody is. Nobody likes getting this. Nobody really likes working their way through a budget. Why? Because it's painful. It's not very fun. But I'm telling you what, the value in this of planning and figuring out where your money is going is so, so huge. And you start to understand that the 90% that God asks you to steward and you to navigate, you can do in a very healthy way, in a way that shatterproofs your finances when you put God first and when you trust God and operate in the values that he asks you to, to live and embrace with the rest. Now, this week, I wanted to kind of wrap the message up with a message on make me rich. Make me rich. I all of us want to feel that way, whether or not we have a million dollars or a couple thousand or a few hundred bucks, the principle behind it is we all want to feel like we have some money. We want to feel rich, make me rich. And the truth is, though, I found from my own life, I have never felt more rich than when I'm generous. When I'm generous, when I'm giving my money away, when I'm sharing, when I'm seeing the needs of others and I'm blessing, when I'm, when I'm going, hey, God, what you've given me, I'm not going to hold on to myself and I'm not going to just acquire more for me and build up kind of my own, uh, but I'm going to look for others to bless. That's when I start to feel like I really am 
rich. If you're a note taker, you can jot this down. It's not a fill in the blank, but it's a, it's a statement that I'm going to use throughout the whole message today that will help us drive this value home. The statement is this, what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God can multiply. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God can actually multiply. He can actually kind of send this further. There's a biblical principle throughout the pages of scripture called sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And this statement sums that up. What you keep, it's all you have, but what you give, what you see as a generous option, God can use to multiply. Uh, Jesus actually says it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give and you will receive. He goes, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. But it will be pressed down, shaken together. There will be room for more, running over and poured onto your lap. And the amount you give will deter determine the amount you get back. Jesus is basically saying... What you keep, it's all you got. But what you give, when you have an eye of generosity, and when you see the needs of others, and you say, you know what, God, I'm going to utilize my resources and the blessings that God's given me to influence and bless and share with others, God can multiply that. This value is of reaping and sowing. If you're a note taker, you can actually jot these down. There's two principles. I want to lay a quick foundation of what reaping and sowing is, sowing and reaping, what is that? And then I'm going to share what I'm so excited about wrapping up this series with is three giving truths that I that have just shaken me to the core, to be quite honest. They've just shaped my life for the last, to be quite honest, the last decade. So two, two quick uh, principles of sowing and reaping. If you want to write this down, you can. Number one is you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Well, where do you get this from, you might ask? Well, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. It goes on to say, a man reaps what he sows. Another version of the same verse says it this way. You will always harvest what you plant. Now, this is, nobody in the room ever at this point goes like, well, I don't really buy that. Because everybody in the room really understands if you were to go and plant corn seed, you would get corn out. You know, you're not going to plant a corn seed and get spinach out. No, you're going you're to get what you sow. You're, if you plant an apple seed, more than likely, you know, you're going to get an apple tree, not a grape vineyard. You know, you reap what you sow. The same is true just in everyday life. If you smile at somebody, more than likely they're going to return a smile back unless you're at Walmart, is what I've just found out for myself, you know. People at Walmart just look at you mean. They just do. Side note on this one, I don't know why I should share these things because they just come to my brain. But my daughter, Micah, when she was little and she was just, you know, starting to talk and, and she, she was always just kind of social. She'd wave at people and say hi. And we'd be at Walmart or any grocery store. And as somebody would be walking by, if I'm pushing her in the cart and she goes, hi, and they just stiff us. You know, like if they're just like, and they just walk by pretending like they didn't hear. Like I, back then, no, no kidding, I'd like grab them in the neck. Be like, no, 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 get back here and tell her hi. You know, that little cute thing just said hi to you, say hi back. And then I realized I'm a loser. You know, like let them go. But that's the idea of reaping what you sow. I mean, the truth is, if you were to offer forgiveness, more than likely you're going to get forgiveness back. If you're going to offer, you know, a hope. You're going to receive hope back. I mean, is it always that good? No, but for the most part, when you reap what you sow, 
This is just true in life. Now, the second principle of sowing and reaping is actually this, though. You reap more than what you sow. And this is the part maybe where a lot of us in the room go, oh, that just feels weird. That maybe hasn't been my story, but it's right in the Bible. The truth is what you keep is all you have. But what you give, God can multiply it. I was thinking about me and my wife, Carrie. If I, if I give her, you know, a smile or a, a great date, I mean, it can be multiplied. Enough said. If I give her, you know, a snooty attitude when I come home from work, she can give me, you know, a multiplication of a bad mood. You know, like it can just be really bad. She can return it. Mold. I mean, this is, you reap more than what you sow. And the good news is Jesus has something to say about this that I think just drives home the heart of even what the whole Christian, you know, movement, the whole Christian religion faith is all about. Listen to what it says in Matthew 19, 29. It says this, anyone who sacrifices their home, their family, their fields, whatever, because of me, Jesus, and because of me, anybody who, you know, lays down their life for me, what will happen? Well, they will get back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. He's going, you want to know what it's like when you step over the faith line? You reap so much more than what you've sown. You get so much more back than your step of faith. What literally happens if you were to cross over the faith line, give your life to Christ, you've just given something, you've given your life. Jesus goes, in return, I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you peace and joy and fulfillment. I'm going to give you life to the full. And he goes, but even on top of that, you're going to get eternity with me, heaven with me. And it's kind of like, oh, good grief. You, you reap what you sow, but you reap far more than what you've sown, is what Jesus is saying. This is the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of really uh, what this principle is all about. Now, Carrie and I, We've experienced this firsthand so many times in just practical, everyday areas of our life that it's so hard for me not to believe this. Again, it just drives right into the core of who I am. A couple weeks ago, real practically, a couple weeks ago, we had brought on a guy part-time at City Point Church to help out in our worship and production area. And this, this guy didn't really have a reliable car. And... <laughs> He just couldn't barely get, you know, to our office back and forth. He lived in Kelowna. And so Carrie and I, we just kind of were praying about it and just had the idea we should give him our car. We should just give him our, our little VW Passat, you know, 2003. It's nothing of a car, and, but we, it was a big move for us. And I kind of thought, you know, we'll figure out the rest. You know, we'll kind of, we'll be fine. And, and, uh, and so we gave him our car. And... He drove it for the better part of a week, and then the next week came, and the car died on him. Just completely, you know, toast. And I had to, had to like, haul it back here. He was in Kelowna at the time, so I'd bring it back here and take it to a, a shop in town, and I found out that it's a $4,000 repair. Well, pff, I spent two grand on the car because I'm cheap, you know, and I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm fixing the car. But now we're out. We're out of car. You know, well, thanks, God, you know I thought I'd reap what I've sown. Like, what's up? And I'm not kidding you. The day I told the guy at the shop to just junk it, I got an email from a friend of ours saying, you know what, there's, there's a car that wants to be given to you. And I'm like, no way. What is it? You know? And he goes, it's a 2003 Honda Pilot. And I'm like, 
Well, maybe this verse is true. It's an extra two seats than I had in my Passat. You know, I reap more than I've sown. And it might not seem like anything to you. But I'm telling you what, for me and Carrie, it was this confirmation that if we trust God, if we just trust him and we put him first, God shows up. Now, will he show up with all of you with a brand new car? No, probably not. But does he show up? Absolutely. There was a, right before we started City Point Church, we, um, we were in a serious fundraising mode. Um, I mean, I, we were crazy enough to start a brand new church with three full-time staff members. I mean, who does that? That's just nuts. And, but I knew that if we were going to do that, we were going to need God's blessing. I was going to have to fundraise like, you know, crazy. And I remember the whole summer prior to starting City Point Church in the, you know, in the fall of uh, 14, um, I, 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 I'm praying and I'm asking God, would you, you know, would you, would you get some people behind this thing so we can really move? And it was not shortly after I started my fundraising initiative that I got a letter in the mail from a young woman who is wanting to start a ministry in, on the Cedar Falls campus of UNI. And I remember thinking, what bad timing, you know, like, I would love to give to you, but I'm trying to fundraise for the, the very thing that I'm doing, you know, like, eh, I don't, I'm not really sure. So I kind of folded back up the note and, you know, shut it, shoved it in the junk drawer. But God kind of just kept laying on me, going, here you are, you're trying to fundraise, somebody else is. Maybe God wants to expand my heart in generosity. So I pull it back out, talk to Carrie, and we write her a check. And I remember putting the postage, you know, stamp on there, putting in the mail going, this, I mean, this is mind-blowing. Who does this stuff? I'm trying to raise money for myself, you know, for this church. And I'm not kidding you. I think those very, very moments of going, I'm going to trust you, God, with my finances. I'm going to trust you, God, with this church and see just what you do spurred on one of the most successful fundraising initiatives that I've ever seen. I mean, we were able to start with three full-time staff. We didn't have to touch our fundraising for the first year. It was incredible. And I just believe to the core of who I am that God really does say, you reap what you sow and you reap more than what you sow. Jesus is going, if you just trust me, who knows what I can do in your life? Now, again, will it always be monetarily? No. Might God just, you know, bless you with a great family, with a great spouse, with health? Would God just choose to just bless you in some way that might not be filling up your garage with a new car or your bank account with more money? Yes. What I am saying, though, is you can trust God. Because he says it right in his scripture in Galatians 6, 7. A man reaps what he sows. He reaps what he sows. And with God, he's the most generous being. And you can trust that what he can do in your life is do more than what you've sown. He can take what you've given and multiply it. Now, what I want to do for the rest of our time is actually share what helped me kind of generate this, this heartbeat in my own life was three giving truths that are found in 2 Corinthians 9. Just this short little chunk of scripture that just drive home this beautiful kind of words about being generous. I mean, if you want to be generous, you want to trust God, you just dive your nose into 2 Corinthians 9 and you'll find it. But in this passage that we're going to look at, there's three giving truths that just shape this heartbeat that I want to drive home. So if you're taking notes, giving truths, 
that will help you kind of lead a life of generosity. The first one is this. Your heart matters when you give. Your heart matters when you give. To kind of get some life in the room, everybody repeat after me, my heart matters. One, two, three. My heart matters. You're absolutely right. Your heart matters. I'm glad you agree with me. Your heart matters. We try and tell our girls this all the time. You know, with four little munchkins, it's not uncommon to go a few minutes without having to tell Micah, hey, would you say sorry to Kara? Or Kara, would you say sorry to Anna? And you want to know what most of the time you hear back from your kids when you say that is, fine, sorry. Sorry. And you're, do you imagine me as a parent being very happy about that? No. Why? Because your heart matters, doesn't it? It matters in your heart. A few months ago, or actually a couple weeks ago, we did a message where I talked about kind of this idea of loving your spouse. And you could simply tell your spouse, hey, I love you. Love you. But if you finish it with I love you because, and you put a little heart in it, I'm telling you, it really shapes, it really matters. Your heart matters when you give. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. It says this, remember, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. He's going, you reap what you sow, you reap more than what you sow, all you keep. Is what you have, or if what you have is, uh, if you keep what you have and what you give, God can multiply. And then it goes and say this in verse 7. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I want you to catch. He says, you must decide in your heart. Your heart matters when you give. Your heart actually matters. When you say, hey, God, I want to expand this thing of generosity in my life, God will go, I want to go after your heart too. Because your heart matters on this one. Uh, Jesus brought a little bit of clarity to this idea of like, what is that heart thing? Uh, he goes on to say this in Matthew 6. I won't put it on the screen for you. But it says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is. So I think what Jesus was really going after on this one, what Paul was trying to say, and Jesus kind of affirmed, is going, hey, where you tell your heart to go and how you give, you know, where your heart is when you're giving, that really is a big deal to me. I want to make sure that, that you're not giving out of compulsion or you're not giving out of like, oh, I just, you know, you have any weird feelings around it. You're giving because you're saying, God, I want it to be a heart of generosity. I want you to grow something in me that I couldn't have. Now, I wouldn't wouldn't be telling you the truth if Carrie and I haven't struggled with this along the years. Um, for a long time now, we've tried to save up for this thing called an emergency fund. If you've ever kind of read about Dave Ramsey, you've heard of this thing called an emergency fund. You, you save up a thousand bucks. So when life happens, you have money to, to, you know, to, to pay for the bills. Well, it just happens like clockwork for us. When we save up some money and we have this emergency fund taken care of, you know, the washer's going to break. Of course it is. I mean, like, it just always does. Or the car's going to go down. You know, of course it does. Or it's going to be the dead of the winter, and we're going to have an electric bill that's crazy. You know, your emergency fund's always going to get spent. Now, for the longest time, I remember me and Carrie just beating our heads up against a wall going, great. You know, we just saved up the money for this emergency fund. Now we have to spend it. Our hearts weren't in the right place. Until a moment happened for us, where we just flipped the script. 
And instead of hating it, we started celebrating it. Instead of going, oh, God, well, thanks a bunch, you know. Like, now I have to spend the very things that I've just saved up for. We, we kind of said, you know what, God, thank you so much that we have the money that you've blessed us with to be able to afford the very things that have came our way. It, we, well, basically we did, we directed our heart in a different way. Paul's saying in this passage, he's going, you have to decide in your heart, and I want to tell somebody in the room that you need to start making a heart change towards generosity. Some of you don't like giving because your heart has been telling you for far too long it's all about you. And I think Jesus would say, you know what? I want to make you rich in generosity. Could I increase your ability to see the needs around you? And would your heart become softened towards being generous to other people who need it? Um, the, the truth is this happened to Carrie and I. I feel like after a long time, God started working on our hearts and we started to develop a heart of generosity where our heart was actually directing us towards giving. It was not shortly after starting the church. I was still driving back and forth from the Quad Cities to here. We didn't have a home at the time where we'd stop midway. Sometimes we'd stop in Muscatine and, and, uh, and we'd play at a park. And, and one afternoon, I'll never forget this. We stopped at this little park and we didn't really know, you know, we just kind of GPS the park in Muscatine and we ended up pulling into a neighborhood and it was some low-income homes and start playing at a little park, and, and we're just having a good time. And then we see this little girl run out of her house to come play at the little park that we're at. This girl um, looked everything like a little boy who hadn't showered in a week. Her clothes were tattered. Uh, her shoes were just disgusting. My girls had a hard time uh, calling her a girl. You just could not, like man, you just, you're dirty, you look like a boy, you just struggled. Uh, it was horrible for a while until they're like, just shut up, you know, it's a girl, you know, stop doing that. And we kind of hung out, played, got to know her a little bit. And as we were thinking about leaving, Carrie's heart got prompted with generosity. And I'm so glad it did. So glad. We'd been traveling back and forth, so our Suburban was full of clothes and extra stuff, and, and, uh, and we had plenty of shoes. And, and at the time, I don't know why God just pressed this into Carrie's heart, but I think God just told her, you know what, give this girl some shoes. Give her some. She was wearing some crazy, I don't know, just raggedy stuff. And so we go to the trunk of our Suburban, pull out some shoes, and bring it over, and before we leave, we just call her over and go, hey, we'd like to give you these. And she just, her life lit up. And we're going, no way. This, this is barely anything for us. But I tell you that because I'm so glad our hearts were leading us in the right direction. It had taken, our, uh, taken us a while to get our hearts dialed in with where our treasure should be. But when it when those two things align, when our generosity and our heart were in the same spot, I'm telling you what, it couldn't have been any better. Now, were we, were we making tons of money? No. But the truth was we felt like we were the richest people in the whole world. The richest. Because when you start to be generous, God does something in here 
And that's why giving truth number one, your heart matters when you give. Your heart absolutely matters. The second truth is this. You can't outgive God. You just can't outgive God. God is so gracious. Literally the most famous verse in all the Bible starts off like this. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He's a giving God. He's given us the life and the breath and the ability and everything that we have. He's just given it to us. So anytime you start to think, well, I don't know if I can trust God with an area of my life, I go, come on. He's given you everything, the talents, the abilities, the breath in your lungs. God provides that. He gives us everything. Listen to what it goes on to say in verse 8. Next verse it says, and God will generously provide all you need. You can't outgive God. He will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 10 goes on to say it this way. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. It's God who does. God shows up. And then bread to eat. And in the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources. And catch this. And then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Can't outgive God. I found from my own life that I'm never closer to God Never any more closer to God than when I'm giving and forgiving. When I'm giving away, I just feel like God and me, are, we're just tight. Because I just feel like that's exactly who he is. He's a gracious, giving God. Family in our church named Tim and Sarah Wilbanks, they are just hands down sold out on this principle. You can't outgive God. This last week we had a chance to sit down and record their story. Go ahead and check this out on the screen. On the subject of finances, um, I allow Sarah to have $9.73 a month to spend towards anything that her heart desires. And it's worked out really well. Um, we, started at, we started at $10, but we had to cut back to $9.73. Just because I was financially yeah, superfluous. She was getting a little, yeah, she was getting a little superfluous or whatever that word was you just used. Uh -huh. Yeah. Spend it all. The gumball machines. Yeah. For the children's sake. Yeah. I'm Tim Wilbanks. I'm Sarah Wilbanks. And we've been a part of City Point since the beginning. I grew up in a church that passed the plate. And so as the plate would come down the aisle, you know, you had looked at it, you had to hold it, you either had to put something in it or not. And um, so I was taught at a young age that you should put something in the plate. And it was uh, very dutiful. Um, there wasn't a lot of heart felt emotion that went into it. If anything, I was reluctant as a kid to put the change or the dollar bill that I had in there. But my grandfather is one that taught me that I should give and that it went to the church and it ultimately went to God. But that philosophy or practice stuck with me through as recently as just a few years ago even. And it, giving, tithing was more of a duty than it was something I really wanted to do. Tithing to me just seemed like an unnecessary rule. I didn't grow up in church, and so the concept of tithing hit me before a relationship with Jesus did. And my first few times in church when that plate was passed, not that passing the plate is wrong, but it came across my lap, and to me I felt like I was being forced into somebody else's rules. And so it wasn't until recently in the past couple years four years, five years, four, that five, six years. I think we really internalized 
God's intention behind tithing that he really just wants us to understand his his love for us and exchange that and give back the first of his fruits that he gave to us give it back to him but at first tithing really was kind of like somebody twisting my arm and Tim was a lot further along in his spiritual journey and understood it much more but until I really understood what God wanted for us in it it didn't make sense to me and it felt more like a penalty or a rule than it did a blessing so I think the biggest impact for us has just been the sheer joy and being able to bless others with God's gift and being obedient through that right because it's his and, and again we're just serving as the vehicles as as he's given us more to be able to give it's just fun and it's a joyful process to be able to worship and honor him and be obedient like Sarah said that's that's the key being obedient I think he also unloaded I don't think either of us were super materialistic beforehand but I think he kind of unloaded us and freed us freed us of materialism we were attached to any number of things whether it was um jewelry or bows or land or we've never been vehicles before but, no. <laughs> um, but just kind of freeing us of the consumerism and the materialism that's really pushed in our culture yeah. there's a point recently four years ago where things were tight budget wise and we were looking at you know how are we gonna make this payment or do that and um we, we started praying about our finances and praying to God about it. And we literally sat down and we made a list of all those possessions that we were holding on to selfishly. And they were little things, nothing huge, but a bunch of little things that we were never willing to give up. And we made a list of those things and we were thinking about selling on eBay just to get rid of them. And we, we Craigslist, whatever, yeah. We, we prayed about it, and, and Sarah's the one who did this. Sarah said, you know, every time we talk about finances or something comes up financially, let's, let's pray. We were at that point. And so we did, and we made that list. And making that list was hard, but as we wrote those things down on paper, we freed ourselves from them. They, they were worldly possessions that we thought we needed or thought we had to have, and we didn't really. And we prayed to God about it. And I think what happened was he allowed us, I think he was excited to see us freeing ourselves from those worldly possessions and saying, hey, we're willing to give them up. And ultimately, we didn't have to give them up. Um, but I think God just wanted to know that our hearts were changing in a different place, and they did. And it's been different ever since. That that process was freeing for us. It, it, it gave us a, an amount of freedom that, we didn't have before. We felt tied to things. I think also for me, especially as a woman, we like security. And so I found myself at times saying to Tim, well, could we just, why don't we just wait? And and starting to try and second guess, like seeing the clearing financially down the road, knowing that some major bills were coming up and seeing it down the road and saying, oh, but wait, we could just hold off. and." Him being faithful and leading and saying, let's go ahead, let's give, because God has asked us to and, and has made us promises. But it was particularly challenging as a woman because I, I like the security of knowing everything's going to be okay. And sometimes 
um, I forget that I'm not in control of that, that God ultimately has already written that into our story and wanting to kind of manipulate the situation myself. Yeah, the whole um, saying you can't outgive God is it rings so true because, like I said before, that, you know, he, if, if he sees that you're obedient and willing to give, he's going to put the pressure on you to give more, to give more, to give more. And there's no limit to that. Ultimately, you can't outgive what he's already given to us. He's given us everything, every opportunity, every freedom through his son, Jesus Christ, and, and what happened on the cross. And that was the ultimate gift. So we can never outgive that. But there's a bar. The bar has been raised, and for us to shoot towards it by trying to give back as best we can, I think that's ultimately what it's about. Friends, I love that video because I love the way it ends. We have to do this. We have to become generous because that is our God. He loved each and every one of us so much that He gave. He gave, and he wants to do something in each and every one of us. He wants to grow this heartbeat of generosity. We actually started the church on this phrase, and it's just something that if we were to get cut, we'd just bleed it. I mean, this is just something that who, who we are. We say it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, or what's been done to you. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Why, why do we say that? It's because God so loved the world. He so loved everyone that he gave and we just have this posture that we have to be generous with our invitation we have to be generous with this grace that we have we have to be generous as a church with the love we have to include everyone in on it why because God is so generous you can't outgive God so we trust him we lean forward it's a giving truth you believe that my heart matters that I have to believe that I can't outgive God. And then the third thing, if you're still writing notes, you can write this down. The truth is that people will thank God. They will actually thank God. They will be moved closer towards God because of what you give. This is just true. Listen to what it says in Corinthians 9 and 12. It says this, yes, you will be enriched. He's saying, yeah, I will make you rich. Most of us already are rich. We can drive and have somebody else make our food for us. That's ridiculous, really, if you think about it. Like, you can go pull up to a, a place and say, I want a number four. And they give you your meal because you can pay for it. We're rich. We just are. And you drive somewhere. That alone is crazy. We're all rich. For the most part, we just are. But why? Why has God given us wealth? Why has he given us this opportunity? Well, it goes on to say this. You will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. That's why God wants to give us stuff. It's so that he grows in us a heartbeat of generosity. Listen to this. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, guess what they'll do? They'll thank God. They'll absolutely thank God. And I want to be known as that. I want to be known, I want my life story to be one where people just go, man, he was just generous. And he just pointed people towards Christ. He was generous. He welcomed everybody in. He was generous. He gave to those who need. He was generous. He put God first. He was generous. And people saw God in him. That's what the story I want for my life. And I have a hunch 
that you do too. You go, I want my life to be one that's known as generous. And if you're a Christ follower, if you've stepped over the faith line, ultimately, that should get us so excited because when you do, the verse says, they will thank God. People will go, man, God's doing something in my life. Last week, last week, I'm telling you the coolest thing in the whole world. Last week, we had a a connector card come in that says, today I've stepped over the faith line. Today I've started trusting God with my whole life. I'm going, no way. No way. This young woman's life will be forever changed because a church like us was generous and decided that they were going to start a church in a building like this, put on services that people who are maybe far from God are welcome to come and experience him. She will forever She'll forever thank this church because we were a vehicle in which she met God. She received forgiveness and she's moving with God's grace. Last Friday, I got this email. It's an email from a friend of ours. She's on our serving team. But she started her email out like this. Happy Friday and happy anniversary to me. And I literally, after reading that, I was like, why are you telling me that? You know, like, who sends me happy Friday emails? But then it got so cool, and I turned into an absolute mess in my office. She wrote on, she says, this weekend, this last weekend, makes one year since I walked through the doors of City Point or through any church in the last 10 years. And I was just like, no way. She remembers the date that she came. She said, God has grown me in ways I could have never imagined. I gave my heart to Jesus as a young person, but then check this out. But I spent the past 30 years of my life wandering, just lost. So I was lost. She describes from condemnation for her past. She wasn't sure what to do with her guilt and the bad choices, but she knew that there was hope. She says, I'm so grateful to finally be able to get it. She's like, I get it now. It's all Jesus, I get it. The scriptures say, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it to completion. She says, with all my wandering, Jesus continued to seek me out and gives me the confidence that he's not done with me yet. And I was just like, no way. That's right on. She says, my heart is overwhelmed and it's renewed in a way that I've never known. And she tells you something, me and you. She says, thank you, City Point. I'm like, you're thanking us? Like, good grief, this is the best in the whole world to see a life change. Someone who hates looking into their past because there's so much hurt is going, thank you, church. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. And I'm like, oh, she's actually thanking us for her life being changed. She needed a church that would accept her right where she was. She says, thank you for being faithful and thank you for building in us an urgency to put God in first place. She writes, you are so appreciated, Gail. And I'm just destroyed. I'm like, oh man, this is why we do what we do. We have to be generous. We have to keep going. Why? 
because there are 22,247 people in a golf shot of this auditorium. And they have to hear about Christ. This last week, there was a person down in Richmond. They were like, hey, you're excluding my county. And I'm going, deal, you're in. So it's a little bit more than a golf shot for them. But we got to keep reaching out. Because the church that gets all fired up about being generous is unstoppable. And when we have a heartbeat to make sure that nobody's excluded, everybody has the opportunity to hear about God's grace. We're going to get stories and stories and stories and stories of people like this. So, big question. Where will you choose to go? What will you decide in your heart? Will you choose to be generous? Or will you say, you know what? It's going to be all about me. And I have a feeling that you, like a lot of people in this room, are going to say, hey, today, I'm going to start deciding in my heart that I'm going to give cheerfully and give graciously. want to put an exclamation point on the service by singing a song that says, I have decided. So if you would, stand up, and I'll wrap us up with a closing prayer when I get back. You guys can take it away, Ben.